Hi, this is Pastor Tim Crick, and you are listening to the weekly sermon podcast of Holy Trinity Evangelical Lutheran Church in Newington, New Hampshire, a part of the ELCA, Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. You can find us online at www.htelc.com. We worship on Sunday mornings at 8.30 and 11 a.m., where you are never too late and there is always room for one more. We hope you can join us sometime, and we hope you find the sermon you're about to listen to helps you to understand and experience the depths of God's love for you and the entire world. Thanks for listening. The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the fourth chapter, verses 5 through 42. Jesus came to a Samaritan city called Sychar near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired out by his journey, was sitting by the well. It was about noon. The Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. His disciples had gone to the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink. You would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have no bucket, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than her ancestor Jacob, who gave us the well, and his sons and his flock drank from it? Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. The water that I will give will become in them a spring of water, gushing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water, so that I may never be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come back. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you say that the place where people must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on his mountain nor in Jerusalem. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming now when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father seeks such as these to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will proclaim all things to us. Jesus said to her, I am he, and the one who is speaking to you. Just then his disciples came. They were astonished that he was speaking with the woman, but no one said, What do you want? Or, why are you speaking with her? Then they left her water jar. The one, then the woman left her water jar and went back to the city. She said to the people, Come and see a man who told me everything I have ever done. He cannot be the Messiah, can he? They left the city and, they, and were on their way to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, Surely no one has brought him something to eat. Jesus said to him, 
to them. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to complete his work. Do you not say four months more than comes the harvest? But I tell you, look around you and see how the fields are ripe for harvesting. The reaper is already receiving wages and is gathering fruit for eternal life, so that sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labor. Many Samaritans from that city believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I have ever done. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them. And he stayed there two days, and many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, It is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves. And we know that this is truly the Savior of the world. The Gospel of the Lord. It's a long, you can sit, Glenn. <laughs> yeah, I, that, thank you, and I know that's not true. <laughs> I really, uh, I don't know if I want to say struggled with what to say uh, as far, but there's so much that could be say, said. That's what I think I struggled with. There's so much that could be said, not just from a passage that is two pages long. Frequently as I'm reading, you know, maybe it'll be one verse or something that will jump out and will spark everything. But how do you pick what to talk about when you have, you know, 37 verses as opposed to 12 verses to pick from, right? You have three times as much. So we'll have three times as long a sermon. Is that that sound? And then, honestly, as I'm up here reading, this is just the way my mind works. While I will have notes and be prepared to say certain things, I also like to leave myself open to what strikes me at that time as well. Does that make sense? And if something comes in as I'm speaking, I want to try and work that in, and that can be both good and bad at the same time, so to speak. And as I was reading, that started out to me again. I wanted to talk about questions, and I think that is, we're going to do that, right? One thing I notice about this passage is who asks questions and talks to Jesus, and who doesn't ask the questions and talks to Jesus? Who asks and, a asks and actually has the conversation? The woman. Who has the questions but doesn't ask? Isn't that ironic? Why is that? Those who have been following Jesus around are afraid to ask the questions. While the woman who is ostracized for many different reasons, right? She came, uh, came to Samaria, to a city called Sychar. So the people who are listening to this story are going to be turned off right away because it's a Samaritan woman. They're not going to want to listen to it. Now, yes, we have the story of the Good Samaritan, but uh, the reason why it's a Good Samaritan, that's like saying jumbo shrimp to the people of the day. They two don't go together. You know what I mean? A Samaritan cannot be a good person. A Samaritan, to the people hearing this story for the first time, are the worst of the worst, right? 
to use uh, Harry Potter terms, uh, terms, what are they, uh, half-blood, mud-blood, right? Because they're mixed. Samaritans developed out of, if I get this correct, they developed out of a time in which we had, uh, there was the uh, Babylonian exile, and so a whole group, class of people were kicked out of Babylon, and they started up a new life in a new territory and married new people that they weren't supposed to marry, right? And started a new thing. And so the Samaritans, our people, are those who kind of left and were now mixed and weren't as pure and weren't, ah, you're the, the bad people. You've fallen, strayed away. And now it is this Samaritan woman, a woman who's out of the well in the daytime without anyone being around her, right? So she's kind of ostracized even from her Samaritan community. So these people hearing these stories are like, we have to hear a story about a Samaritan woman, and now we have to hear a story about a Samaritan woman who has to go to the well all alone? So she's already on the low rung of the totem pole, and now it's even lower rung on the totem pole. Does that make sense? And maybe you can look at it. I think if we put our context in when we read it, she's been married five times. Our world, this is how we can be a little bit more of a, a little bit more, we, can, we are a more sexist society. We generally think she's gotten around. You know what I mean? That's why she's married five times. If she's married five times, what happened to her first husband? If she got married again, what happened to her second husband? She married a third, what, right? Is she someone who's gotten around? She's had horrible luck. And can you imagine losing five husbands? Maybe the husband or the man she is living with at that time, yeah, I, I don't, I'm totally projecting my feelings on it. I will take care of this woman. Right? That's unfortunately, that was the reason why women were going to get married because I can't take care of myself and I need to have someone to do that and then I need to provide kids for this other person. I, I don't know. Maybe this person is welcoming her in but doesn't want the bad luck of getting married. <laughs> I, I totally, it, um, what's the word? Speculation. On my part. But again, maybe who wants to be around someone whose death seems to follow them around? Does that make sense? And yet it is this woman who comes with questions. When Jesus speaks, she responds. And it is those who are closest to Jesus who have questions, but don't say anything. You would think it would be the opposite, wouldn't it? So the theme that we're going to do is about questions. And what questions do we avoid in our everyday life? What questions do we embrace in our everyday life? How can questions help enhance our understanding? God, of others, of ourselves, that maybe we need to embrace questions, even the ones that are difficult to answer.
or be okay with, and this is maybe where I want to go with, we have questions, but we're never going to find an answer. Right? That happens in life too, doesn't it? And being okay with their not being the answer we like. Sometimes life is easier when it's black and white. Do this, don't do that. I have a question, here's the answer. And I think because it's easier, we have a tendency to structure our life that way. And yet, sometimes, I don't know what the right answer is. I just want to do what I think is right, what I think is the best thing. So I saw this on Facebook. This is what I've been using to guide me, and I hope you'll um, remember it also as we deal with what is going on in the world today. Dear everybody, this is somebody else had posted this on Facebook that, that's a pastor. Since I've not pastored people through a pandemic before, I don't know all the answers, but I'm paying attention to science and praying for wisdom. Together we'll take courage, be patient, consider the least of these, and press onward toward loving our neighbors. Love your pastor. Yes, wash your hands. But I think it's that mentality that we use as we move forward in uncertain times when there doesn't seem to be a clear answer. Isn't that what's ironic? Not ironic, but that's what makes this time so hard as far as being the church. A great conversation occurred yesterday with our church council as we deliberated what do we do? And a big point that came up was, isn't the church supposed to be a place of refuge during times like this, right? In the past, the church has been the place where we run to. War is going on, right? Death or devastation is going on. Where can I find peace and solace and rest? Church, hence a sanctuary. We sing sanctuary. And yet, if we say, everybody come here, we become what we are telling people to avoid. You sense the irony in that? Especially when those who are most vulnerable to this, right, would be the ones that we would say, come, come, come. So how do you be the church in a way in which it is forcing us to gather in different ways. That is the big question we are wrestling with right now. Correct? And so what I loved about our conversation, while there was the decision made that maybe we need to stop our larger gatherings like this for safety, it doesn't mean we shut our doors and were closed for the next two weeks. It was very clear we didn't want to use the word closed, like as we're closed for business. Maybe we're closed to outside groups coming in, but we're not closing church. <laughs> as if it's like in Europe when if you go there in August and they put, you know, gone for vacation or whatever, right? Mean, be back. September 1st, we're closed. It's not what we want to do. The question is, how do we do what we're called to do in ways that we haven't done it before? And honestly, holy cow, that is the big question that's pervasing all churches outside of this COVID-19 coronavirus anyways. This is just another way that's going to force us to ask or answer that 
question. And I don't have the answer for it. We will do what we think is best in the health of others, right? What is so hard about this, too, that raises questions is we all came here today. You will go home and you will feel good, I hope, right? And you'll think, what was the big deal? We came, we could shake everybody's hand, hug, do the holy kiss that Paul talks about in the New Testament, right? Kiss each other on the cheek. And you would go home. That was a, well, I can say that good experience as if we're talking about inappropriate kissing, right? Please be mindful of that. But you would go home, I think you get the point, and you wouldn't feel any different. And you think, what's the big deal? And yet, we could not, we could have even canceled worship this morning, said, don't come. We could have closed the door, right? And you still would think, I feel good. Why did we do that? Do you see where the question, there is no clear answer, but is always trying to do what's best. And so I like to rely on the prayer, listening to science, praying for wisdom, doing what you think is best. How do we limit, um, flatten the curve, prevent the spread? So our healthcare system can handle what is going on. And so then we talked about how do we maybe flatten the curve of our gatherings. Hence, we didn't want to put a sign on the door, but we want to make the sanctuary available for people to come and to have that place of solace or peace or refuge. Does that make sense? So if you are in your home and you just got back from the grocery store and, oh my gosh, that is crazy. How many people have been to the grocery store the last few days? I shared this with some. The irony is I went out looking for toilet paper, not because of the panic, but because literally Vicky looked underneath our sinks and said, we have three rolls left. It's time to buy toilet paper. I couldn't find toilet paper. But how do we behave in ways that are healthy, respectful, safe, with our faith leading the way as a model for other people, right? That's the question we're always trying to answer. Whether it's COVID-19, whether it was Ebola, whether it was a presidential election, whether it was a church, you know, I, I know two pastors whose churches have been destroyed by tornadoes. Talk about them being forced to figure out how they have to do a church in a new way. That is the question that is always before us. And our response is, our hope is, I don't know what the immediate future is going to be. I don't know how things are going to turn out in this life. So we take the next step to do what we think is best. Our hope is God is with us through it. That we pray for wisdom, knowing that we go not alone. And if the worst happens, and this pandemic and our hospitals are overcrowded, we pray God is with us. If what we do works and the health care system is able to handle everything, we pray God is with us. <laughs> Does that make sense? 
that's our hope. That's our peace. God with us. And we're not afraid to ask questions for guidance or to keep things bottled up. That's when really hard things come on and happen, right? When you don't ask. I always do when I do premarital counseling and tell people, you either need to mention it or you need to let it go. Because if you don't mention it and you can't let it go, what's going to happen? <laughs> Anybody been in those conversations before? So let us deal with our questions in healthy ways. And then when our answer is unknown, let us rely on the hope and the love of Christ that we have. That no matter what happens, God is with us. Amen. That's the sermon for this week. We hope from it you learned a bit more about God's love for you and the world. Please subscribe and rate our podcast to help us be found by and reach more people. Thanks for listening, and don't forget, you are loved.